Welcome to the Adult Child of Dysfunction podcast, where we untangle the past, rewrite the present, and reclaim our future. I am your host, Tammy Vincent, and together we will break free from old patterns, heal wounds, and create new narratives. Are you ready to transform the effects of your dysfunctional past into your superpowers? Are you excited to get back in touch with your true authentic self? If so, then hit subscribe and join me weekly on the Adult Child of Dysfunction podcast. Here we will learn from experts as well as experienced thrivers how to turn our trials into smiles while living our most authentic and joyful lives. Well, hello again, everybody. Welcome to another episode. Today we have with us Latria Russ. Latria, she's a coach and she lives in Wilmington, North Carolina with her 18-year-old daughter and her husband. She was born with a rare genetic syndrome called Pfeiffer syndrome, and I'll let her explain this to you, and it causes the bones to not fuse properly. So in her case, the bones didn't fuse correctly around her skull, which meant that there was areas of her brain that were actually exposed. She had to have stems put inside to prevent her skull from crushing at birth. She had 40 surgeries over her life, and that's just the beginning of the things that Latria has gone through. But she's here today to talk about hope and healing and her journey through the crazy things she calls life. Um, it seemed as though the odds were stacked against her, but her, with her faith and love in God, she managed to push through until she made it to the other side of her pain. So we are super happy to have you here today, Latria. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I um I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, it's a lot. That's a lot. It's a mouthful. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and it's funny, it's funny you 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 said it the way you did, because um a lot of times people will sometimes ask me about parts of my story and, and things of that nature. And I just say, oh, yeah, you know, whatever. You know, and I'll laugh it off. And they're like, how are you able to laugh about such stuff? You know, how are you able to laugh about the things you've been through? And I'm like, well, that's how you know you're healed. If you can laugh about it, if you can look at the situation for what it was, it doesn't make it the best situation, but it was what it was at that time. So um, let me go ahead and start a little bit. Um, as she said, my name is Latreya Rust. Uh, I live in Wilmington, North Carolina. Um, I've been married now for about three, going on three years. In April, it'll be three years. Um, I have an 18-year-old daughter. Uh, she just, just turned 18. Uh, let's see. I was born with a rare genetic syndrome called Pfeiffer syndrome. And a lot of times when people hear that, they get so caught up in the name and oh my god, oh my goodness, no, no, no. It, it's not as bad as France. Um, what Pfeiffer syndrome really is, it's just um a genetic mutation with the chromosomes. And you don't have the amount of Y chromosomes that you're supposed to have. And what happens is it causes the bones in your body to not use properly. Now, as we all know, our, our body is mended together with our bones. And our bones are supposed to fuse a certain way to, you know, allow movement, to allow different things in our bodies to work. In my case, my bones did not fuse properly in my skull area. So what it meant was when I was born, 
areas of my skull where there was no bone, which left my brain to be exposed in some areas. And then on top of that, we, in our, on our skull, we have like little stems that go all the way around the skull. And it prevents the skull from just kind of crushing the brain. So in my case, I didn't have any of those stems. So when I was born, my skull was just practically just hanging out on my brain. And um, I had my first surgery when I was two months old. Um, I've had over 35 to 40 operations spanning from two months old all the way up to 32 years old. And I can tell you the countless number of times I've spent holidays, birthdays, and so on and so forth in the hospital just due to infection, due to, you know, um, having infection with the bone. They put a piece of bone in and then they have to rush me back to surgery because that bone became infected because the area was infected and just a whole bunch of different things. Um, then on top of that, it also caused hearing loss, vision loss, and it also causes me to not quite look like everybody else. But then again, nobody looks like everybody else. So, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when you're in school, like elementary school and even middle school, that matters. You know, it, it, it matters. So with that being said, um, I got picked on a lot. I got taunted a lot. You know, I love school, but I just got bullied so much in school. Um, I remember a time when I was in the ninth grade and I had a young lady tell me if I had a child that looked like you, I would throw it in trash can. <gasps> and people are so cruel. They are. So <laughs> they cruel. Are. They are. And it's funny how you try not to let comments bother you. Because you know that old saying, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. That, that's not necessarily true. No. It, it's not necessarily true. So, and it, the crazy thing about that is, is that I allowed, and I'm not, I'm a very transparent person, so I, I feel, I'm, I'm good with saying this. I allowed that comment to govern the next 20, 15, 20 years of my life. So that how old one, are you, how old are you now, Latria? I didn't even. I am. 40, I'll be 43 next, I mean, I'm sorry, I'll be 44 next month. Okay, I was just so that, that, You don't um, look 44. I don't, <laughs> everybody tells me that. Um, but that comment governed most of my young adulthood. Most of my young adulthood, I allowed that comment to govern how I moved, how I related to people, relationships, things of that nature. Uh, back up a little bit. Um, on top of having a disability and being teased and taunted so much, I also had parents that were addicted to drugs. My mother was addicted to crack. My dad was, now I affectionately say he was an alcoholic, but my dad was not an alcoholic. My dad was a drunk because he did not go to any AA meetings. Alcoholics typically tend to go to AA meetings. Yeah, he didn't go to any AA meetings. So, with that, with that being said, 
you can imagine another layer of toxicity on top of what I was already dealing with. Oh yeah, because you couldn't you couldn't even come home and and get the sympathy or the empathy or the compassion because your parents were addicts. So right. you that was yeah you didn't come home and and get ha, walk into this loving environment of mom my feelings were hurt help me I mean right. you walked into complete I, chaos right I walked into sometimes I'm not being home or I walked into uh my mom was not the most empathetic person and. I don't blame her for that because I've learned throughout life you can only give what you have to give. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have it to give, you can't give it. That's just like if you're kind of like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and all you got is peanut butter and you don't have jelly. You can't give jelly if you don't have jelly. <laughs> so <laughs> she didn't have the empathy or the capacity to be empathetic. So it was like, okay, look, when I said I I I I, uh, I had to grow up fast, I had to grow up fast. Yeah. Um. And a lot of times it was just me and the Lord, just <laughs> me and the Lord coming along. <laughs> um. I can remember countless times coming home, uh, eviction notices on the door. Um. You know, it's just I remember one time I was about, I want to say ten maybe, and I came home. I got off the school bus. Me and my friend. And we're walking up to my house. And our furniture was sitting outside. Like all of my furniture, all of my toys, all everything was sitting outside. And my parents didn't have any money at the time to pay for storage. So what had to happen was my dad had to sleep on the furniture outside to make sure that nobody took it. Mm. Now, could you imagine being a 10-year-old? And you're getting off the bus and you're walking to the house and you see your Barbie dolls, you see your roller skates, you see, you see all your toys outside and, and your friends are looking at you asking you like, okay, so why are your toys outside on the, on the, uh, on the stoop? And you right. got to explain to them like, why? That, that was very embarrassing. Oh, I bet. <laughs> and, and you know, they're like, what, what happened? And you don't even know what happened. You're just coming home from school and you're seeing it the first time. It's like they're seeing it the first time. But in the back of the mind, you kind of know, but you kind of don't know. Right. So, yeah. So I, I've had moments like that. I've had moments where I had to, uh, by this time I had a sister. So I had to walk the streets with my mom and my sister because we got put out and we didn't have anywhere to go. So we had to walk the streets. Um, I remember my sister being maybe a year old, maybe two years old, and her legs got tired, and I would have to put her on my back to carry her. Yeah, I had to carry her. My mother didn't carry her. I did. Right. I put her on my back, and I carried her. And um, I remember going to shelters and, and, and stuff, and yeah, my childhood was a very different one. It was very different. So, um, so can I ask you? In all this time, were you going to church then? Because I know that your that your God is what saved you ultimately. Were you in church then, or were you just in survival mode, doing what you could do to get like literally? Was that part of I, your life then? I think I was in survival mode, but I always tell people that I always had a strong connection to my faith. 
but came out of the womb with this connection to my to my faith. I remember, I remember being six years old in the bathtub talking to God, just having a conversation with God like I'm having a conversation with you. And my mother would walk past the bathroom and she was like, "Who are you talking to, God?" She said, oh, "Okay, <laughs> can't listen to about that. <laughs> Carry on." <laughs> and I would, I would go in my um. In my house, we had a, a little area behind the couch, and we had like a big bay window behind the couch. And I would go, well, I'm sorry, it was a patio, patio window behind the couch. And I would go and I would sit back there and I would just talk to God. I would just have conversations with God about life, about, you know, what's going on, about everything. So even though I was not physically in church during that time, me and God would still communicate. And there were moments when I was, he was all I had. He was, he was, he was just all that I, I had. And I know that the word says he would never leave us or forsake us. And that is so true. Um, I can remember being uh, wheeled into the operating room one day. And I was about, oh, about eight. And I remember, I was like, God, you know, I can't do this anymore. I'm tired. My body is tired. I'm just, I'm physically tired. I shouldn't have to go through this. I'm only eight years old, God. I can't keep doing this. I'm tired. And she said to me, hold on. I got you. And that's all I had. There was a time I was in foster care. I was being abused in foster care. And I went back to him for the same thing. Like, God, this isn't fair. What did I do to deserve this? I can't keep doing this. I can't keep this going, going through life like this. This isn't, this isn't right. Hold on. I got you. And when I say that's all I had to this day, that's all I had. And that is what I had to hold on to and use that to push. But just it always they work. It does. It it, it it just really did. It really, really. And I tell people all the time, I feel like that is what saved me. Which yep. is knowing that he had and knowing that even though I'm currently going through a situation that doesn't feel good, or I'm currently going through a situation that doesn't look good, or whatever the obstacles might be currently. God still got me and he's still going to take care. Yep. I I'll be at work sometimes even. And when things get stressful and people are all running around and I'll just look at them and go, this too shall pass and yes. <laughs> just keep moving, <laughs> you know? And I'm just like, they're like, how do you not stress out? I'm like, because it's temporary and it's just, it just is, you know, but I'm like, we got this, you know? Right. But, and I think a lot of time what happens is people get so caught up in the right now. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel good right now. In this very moment, it feels bad. It, it, it feels uncomfortable in this moment. Not understanding or recognizing that that moment is going to pass. That moment is not always going to be there. That moment is going, that moment is going to pass. 
So if you could just get through that moment, if you could just get through that little piece of time, on the other side of that, on the other side of that, is where the redemption will come. You got it. You got it, my friend. So talk a little bit about, I know, I mean, like I said, you've had the 40 surgeries, so school was rough. I mean, I'm that 40 surgeries in those years, that's more than, that's, you said in before you were 32. So that's more than one a year. Yeah. So that just, just <laughs> and then you top that off. Now, how did you end up in foster care? I mean, I well, know I, you both. I ended up in foster care. Um, I think I was about 12 going on 13. And my sister was two going on three or three. So it was right after you were homeless. Right. So okay. we were in an apartment. We had finally got an apartment or what have you. And, um, but my mom was still on drugs. Okay. And the school got it. This is, this is, this is the crazy thing as a kid. You think that nobody knows. You think that nobody knows that your mom is on drugs. You think you're holding it together and nobody knows. And you think that you're the only one that knows this secret. When in reality, you're not. You know, my school knew. My school knew that my mom was on drugs. And, you know, that's why they would give me extra food to take home. That's why they made sure I had extra lunch. That's why they made sure, you know, that, um, you know, that I was taking care of while. Right. Uh, and so I remember one, well, I think I was in sixth grade, no, fifth grade, I think. And we were going on this camping trip. And we, look, this was the trip of all trips. We we look forward to this trip, okay? Because we, this was the first overnight trip that we get to go on a year. And it's, it was to camp that we would go overnight. And I remember coming home, bringing my mom the permission slip, being so excited about wanting to go, couldn't wait to go. And all I needed her to do was to sign a permission slip because they had already paid for me to go. And I kept saying, I said, okay, mom, I need you to wash my clothes because I got to go on this trip. And I kept telling her, I kept telling her, I kept telling her, I kept telling her, I kept telling her. And, you know, she had everything going on. So the night before my trip, I got this grand idea. I washed them myself in the bathtub. <laughs> so I go and I put all these clothes in the bathtub. Turn the bathtub, turn the water on, pour a little liquid, liquid soap in there, and then I'm washing, I'm washing, I'm washing, I'm washing. Not really realizing, hey, these clothes gotta dry. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Uh, so in my mind, I said, okay, well, you know what? I'll just hang them out on the balcony. And then by the time I wake up in the morning, they'll all be good and dry. No, it didn't quite work that way. <laughs> they were still just as wet as they were when I put them out there the night before. So, but you know what? Nobody was going to stop me. I was going to camp. So I took and stuck them wet <laughs> <laughs> I went to school. And one of my teachers, Miss Mallory, oh, I love Miss Mallory. She found the bag and she was like, well, why are all these clothes wet? 
Well, I tried to wash them, but as you can see, they didn't quite work out right. And she's like, yeah, I see. <laughs> so just before the trip, they took the clothes to the laundry mat, washed them and dried them. So, um, back to your question, foster care. That is when they decided that they needed to call right. media. Because yep. at this point, you know, it's 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 getting to be a little, a little much, you know. She's yeah. not she's coming to school, you know, with wet soiled clothes. Um she's coming to school like she's not getting any sleep at home. Um, you know, so it's time to get yeah. you know, the guests involved. So, um, with that being said, social work came out to the house, uh, interviewed my mother, interviewed us. Now, this was how it was supposed to happen. I was supposed to go to a girlfriend's of mine's house and stay with her mom until my mom got out of uh, treatment. But the lady ended up getting sick, and I ended up going into foster care. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. so tell I, us. To, I mean, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going. No, I was going to say. So tell us what you're doing now because it's incredible. You've got eight books. You're a speaker. You're doing like. What was your turning point where you're like, "This is it. I'm giving it my all." Um. It took a lot. <laughs> it took a lot because. When you go through stuff like that, and it's happening like back to back to back to back to back to back, and you don't really have time to sit down and process it before you hit with another blow, and then you hit with another blow. Yep. And, then, and, they're, and they're coming. I mean, they're, they're, they're coming like back to back to back, and you don't have the opportunity to sit and process it. I think I was 32, 33. I had just had my child. I had been married for the first time. And I really had an opportunity to sit down and process my life and process what I had been through and process the things that I had been through to get me to where I am. Um, and then I said, okay. I said, well, you know what? I didn't go through any of that for nothing. Yep. I, I, I didn't go through and. The one thing I always tell people is, is that it's not about you. Nothing that I went through, believe it or not, has anything to do with me. It has to do with the people that I'm called to and the people that I'm meant to reach. And because I went through those things, I, I can help other people. And I can, I, I, I can I just show other people how to get to the other side. And mm -hmm. that's, that's really all it's about. It's like a, it, 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 you need a visual. It's like a mountain. And mm -hmm. on most, in most mountains, you have, you have the mountain peak. And now and sometimes you have the rough side, but then you have the smooth side. And most of the time in life, we're trying to get up that rough side. And if you can make it up that rough side and cross over to that move that you, you you really you really you, you've done something you've done something because a lot of people don't realize that in order to get to the smooth side 
you got to be able to make it to the rush. Make it you got to make it. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's awesome. So you wrote eight books. Yes. Um, my last book, uh, this one, um, is the one that I just published. And this one talks about my journey. It talks about my journey through homelessness. It talks about my journey through foster care. It talks about, um, I was adopted. But I was adopted into an abusive family. So it talks about that. So it just kind of talks about what I, it's a, it's a long version of what I talked about today. Right, right. Um, and I, when I said that was the hardest book I had to write, that was the hardest book to write. It took me like three years to write that book. Mm-hmm. It was a hard one to write. Um, and then on top of writing, I'm also a uh, disability empowerment coach. Okay. Where I work with um, young children and parents that have disabilities, young children that have disabilities, and I also work with their parents. Um, I provide resources and support uh, for the child going through the disability. Um, I, I provide resources and support for the parent as well. Um, yes, that's pretty much what I do. And a lot of times I tell people that there's a coach on every corner. Okay. That, that's just, that's just right. what it is. There's a coach on every corner. And, but when you're looking for a coach or when you make a decision that you want to be coached, you should have a coach that has the experience. Yep. That you're, that you experience because Anybody, and I'm not, and I'm not pleased. I'm not taking this away from coaches. You know, nope. uh, you I know, hear you. I'm coaches. I'm sure there are wonderful coaches out there. But anybody should read a book and go to the the, the um the uh certification process and all of that. I do, but to have the experience, to have the experience of saying, I know what your child is going through. Yep. I know why your child doesn't want to go to school. I can understand why your child doesn't want to go to school. I can understand why your child is behaving this way. Why? Because I behave that way. You know, yes. And there's so much and there's so much more empathy there. And there's so much more yet tough love there also as a coach because- you know, like I'm, I coach and my specific niche is mostly adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families. So I work with, and the same thing, you know, I had the drug addict mom and the, and the alcoholic father. And, you know, there's a lot in that. And then, you know, like I'll talk to people. One of my clients said to me, you know, I've been in therapy for 11 years. And in 18 minutes, you told me more about why I am the way I am. Right. I said, because I was you. Right. Right. I was you. Right. 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 You know, And and Yeah. So, and, but you have so many different, you know, I look at it like if someone comes to me and says, I lost my spouse, I'm like, wow. Like I have a great grief coach for you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, it's because I'm like, stay in your lane. Like you said, like I, I stay in my lane. I know what my lane is. I know, you know, it took me a minute to figure that out because like I said, when you get into coaching, there's just so much going on. You're like, okay. 
well, how do I find my people? <laughs> how do you find my people? <laughs> how do I find my people? And I just, and that's just kind of what I've learned, even with parents. Um, my daughter is 18 and whew, she has ADHD mm -hmm. along with some other mental things going on. And so from a parent perspective, I can all also connect with a parent from that perspective. Like right. if you come to me and you say, Lord, today was a rough day. I don't look at you as a bad parent. I look at you as a parent who had a rough day with a child that has autism. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> you, you, you're allowed to say that. Right. And I think so many times we don't give ourselves enough grace to say, it's okay to say I had a bad day. It's okay to say it's rough. It's okay to say this is hard. It's okay to say this is difficult. It's okay to have days that you want to quit. All of that is okay to say. And we don't, in this crazy society that we don't, that we live in, holds people to such high standards that people are just not going to be able to meet. And and it's crazy. And that's one of my favorite sayings is it's okay to not be okay. Right. You know, and you know, I look at everybody and I say, when you deal with yourself in your mind, you have to deal with yourself like you are dealing with somebody that you care about and that you love. Right. You know, deal with yourself because you hold yourself to way higher standards than anybody else does. Yeah. You know, and then you beat yourself up. And I know, you know, in growing up with the addicted parents and the drug out, you know, the drugs and alcohol, you had a lot of that to get overcome too. You had a lot of that negative self-talk yeah. and that, and it, and it's a forever journey, you know, forever journey. It is, it is, it is. And it's, it's a day, it's a day-to-day -day struggle. People think that, you know, when you become an adult, it suddenly goes away. No, it doesn't go away. That there's still that child inside of you that that picks his head up and, and, and wants to go back to those times and go back to those negative feelings and go back to those to those situations that you have to tell that child, no, we're not there anymore. We're, we're, right. we're, we're, we're a new place now. We're not there anymore. We're not that eight, nine year old that that um comes home from school and there's no food in the, in the refrigerator. Right. We're not yeah. that 14, 14, 15 year old that was told that she should be thrown away because she doesn't look a certain way. We're not right. there. Right. That's awesome. I love, you know, I just love what you do. I could sit here and literally talk to you all day long. <laughs> and it's, it, it is, it's like, you know, so like, I know a lot of my people, I will literally tell them to write letters to their younger self, to tell them they're yeah. safe, to, you know, give themselves yes. a big hug. I remember one of my clients is like, what are you talking about? I was like, I'm not kidding. Literally hug yourself. Right. Because be your own superhero, you know? Right. Right. And, and, and I've, I've, I've done that too. I'm like, when was the last time you forgave yourself? When was the last time you looked at the looked in the mirror? That's the exercise that I've given people to do too. I said, when was the last time you looked in the mirror and you said, you said, I forgive you. Not talking about anybody else, but I forgive you. The man looking back at me in the mirror. I forgive you for not showing up and not being the best version of yourself that you can be. And I, I, I had a client do that. She's like, you know what? When I did that, I felt so much better. 
take that. That's not because you're releasing yourself from this self-imposed guilt that you place upon yourself based on your circumstances. Right. So, and so much of it was just made up in your mind anyway. Yeah. Like the circumstance is the circumstance. It's yeah. your mind that gives it all the meaning. Right, right, right. You know, right. when you when you're molested as a child, it was because that man was or that woman was a horrible person, not because right. you're a bad person, but you don't right. your brain doesn't know that. Right. So right, 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 right. Yeah. Incredible. Well, I love it. I'm um yeah, I would love to talk to me. I always feel like there's so many topics, but I think that's what's so precious about you and what you do is that you had it all. I mean, I don't mean have it all. Like you had every <laughs> single circumstance, <laughs> like you were in foster care and that's a whole nother, you know, that's a whole nother group of people that could, you can relate to. You had the abuse, you had the neglect, you had the alcoholism, you had the medical issues that held you back from being a child. I mean, you spent 30 year life in the hospital, you know, I'm sure that, that, and then, like you said, you spent a 30 year life in the hospital and then you went home to a house that wasn't even fit for a child. So, right, right, right. right you know, right. you can relate to all of that. And I absolutely love it. You have such a gift for the world. I think it's amazing. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. God be all the glory for that. Because trust me, if it was me by myself, yeah. <laughs> I'd be a rat. <laughs> you know, and <laughs> well, we can't I, do it without God. I'm, I'm sitting here looking at my wall right now and I have this huge thing. I Well, first of all, I have a big picture of sea turtles because I have this weird fascination with sea turtles. So it's like four foot long. But right next to it is my three foot banner that says, give it to God and go to sleep. And, yes. you know, and, yes. I, and I, I love that. And that's why I asked about the church thing, because so many people get stuck on that. So many people that are in like a bad, you know, situation with alcoholic parents or whatever, whose parents don't go to church. You don't have to go to church to find God. No, no. You know, and people you that don't know how to pray, you don't, there's no, there's no way to pray. I and did the same, no, I no did the same thing. It's a conversation, right. you know? Let me, oh my gosh. That was one of my books. It's called Intimate Conversation with God, a book of prayers. And it talks about how we get so caught up with saying the right thing and, and, and being in the right posture and, and so on and so forth. And to pray. And it's not that deep. <laughs> it's not. I mean, I pray when I'm in the grocery store. I pray when I'm doing laundry. I pray when I'm at work. Because the word says to pray without ceasing. So I pray all the time. I talk to God. Look, I think I talk to God more than I talk to my own mama. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and I tell myself, I know you're tired of hearing from me. I know, I know you are. I know. But just one more thing. One more thing. I just got a question. I just got to yeah, ask you this. One question. I'm sorry. I know. I know. I just just talked two minutes ago, but I got one one question I forgot to ask. So, but yes. Well, I love it. I love it. This was such a great conversation. So I know you do the coaching for different things for people with disabilities, for mothers, families, you know, groups. You do all kinds right. of different things. Um, where can they kind of look for you? I'm going to put all the links in the, in the show notes. So everybody listening, right. check out the show notes, but what is the best, quickest place? Uh, the best place would be Facebook. Um, I have two Facebook pages. Um, I have one for my company, 
more than my disability. So it would be www.facebook.com forward slash more than my disability. And then, of course, um, my personal Facebook page will be uh, www.facebook.com forward slash, don't make fun of the name. This is backwards. Why do I want to be on there? That is my personal Facebook page. Feel free to inbox me. Um, I usually respond as soon as I get one. Um, You can go to my website, www.facebook.com. Uh, coachlatria.net there you can um, see some of my speakers uh, sign up for coaching um, as a matter of fact I'm in the process of putting together a uh, summit it's called diversity and dialogue creating the voices for disabled children and it's going to be held May the 4th 2014 here in Wilmington North Carolina it's going to be from 11 to 2. And what this basically is, is a platform for disabled children to have their voice heard. Aww. Disabled children, um, parents of disabled children, um, teachers, educators will have an opportunity to have their voice heard. And I'm just trying to create a platform for these, for these groups to have their voice heard. There'll be vendors, there'll be food. Um, so it's in North in Wilmington, North Carolina, you said in Wilmington, North Carolina. Nice. Um, I think I have the flyer on my page. I have to go back and check. Okay. But um, they can request it. If it's not there, they can just request information. Yeah. 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 If it's not there, you could just inbox me and ask for more information and I would be glad to give you more information. Um, if you want to be a vendor or anything like that, just, you know, just inbox me and I can give you all the needed information. Perfect. That sounds amazing. Um, yeah, so I will have all of that in the show notes, like I said, so everybody can get hold of you however they need to get hold of you. And um, this has been such a joy. But before you leave, I always like to ask my guests, if you could, if people are listening to this and they're struggling with any one of the 52 different things that you mentioned that you went through <laughs> in your life, what would be some words of our wisdom or some advice or something simple and tangible they can take away with them today? Look past the right now. Look past the right now. Because like I said earlier, it's just human nature, I believe, to focus on what we're feeling in the moment and the pain that we're going through in the moment and and the uncomfortability in the moment. Just go past the right now. And your pain has a purpose. Your pain, and it, it might not feel like it. It may feel awful. It may feel, but that's pain. Pain is not supposed to feel good. It's not supposed to be a warm, soothing sensation. No, it's supposed to hurt. It's supposed to feel the way it feels. But even though it hurts and it's uncomfortable, there's a purpose behind it. God doesn't allow us to go through things just to go through them. There's a purpose behind everything that you go through. And people like to discredit the bad stuff. So they're like, oh, well, that's nothing but the devil. You know, the devil allowed all that to happen. I'm not going to say the devil like this because we all know he is. But I will say that God does not allow us to go through anything for nothing. 
I had to go through what I went through to get to this moment. If I didn't go through what I went through, I would not have gotten to this moment. I wouldn't be an eight-time published author. I wouldn't be a coach. I wouldn't be a speaker. I wouldn't be a two-time college grad. I had to go through those things. So sometimes in life, we're going to have to go through some pain to get to that purpose. Well said. Absolutely well said. Thank you so much, Latria, for coming on. And I appreciate you. And I'm sure the listeners absolutely adored you because I do. And (laughs) I wanted to say thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I really, really, really appreciate it. Thank you so, so very much. You're very welcome. For everybody out there listening, please tune back in. We'll have more stories of hope and healing on adult child of dysfunction. And we hope you have a blessed week. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Adult Child of Dysfunction podcast. If this episode resonated with you or you think someone else could benefit from what you heard, why not share it with someone you care about? Let's heal from our past and take back control of our lives together. If you're interested in learning more, head on over to www.tammyvincent.com for a free chapter of my book, Surviving Alcoholic Parents. While you're there, be sure to catch my invigorating seminar, Awakening Your Authentic Self. Together, we will rewrite our stories and turn trials into triumphant smiles. Until next time, keep embracing your strength, keep being you, and know that you are more than enough. You are way more than enough right here, right now.